Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Exodus chapter 2. But about a year and a half ago, I believe it was, or a little under that, I began to, I was praying in the auditorium, and sometimes that's honestly how the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me, and I'll journal it, I'll write it down, I always carry around either a a yellow legal pad or a white legal pad, and I'll just begin to journal what I hear God speaking, and then I'll go back, and then I'll cross-reference it with scripture does that yeah I don't know how was I feeling and 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 sometimes sometimes it's words for people sometimes it's words for me my family my wife my children that I'll prophesy over my own family and by the way we're all called to prophesy in case you don't know I'm doing a life group on it specifically that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy the spirit of God's been poured out so we're called to deliver those words of encouragement comfort and edification anyway so I was praying in here, and, and the Lord, I, I begin to pray out of my spirit, God, let us become a burning bush house. Let us become a burning bush house. Let us be a house that when people drive by, they're drawn. There's something about the house that draws them in. It's not the necess- necessarily the building. Maybe this, this, this building doesn't look like a church to many people, and that's the way we, we want it. We don't want it to look like a church. We want it to, to, to be something uh, that people see, and like, man, that don't look anything like a church. But once you pull onto the parking lot, once you encounter the people that's here, our serve teams, and not just our serve teams, but our people, something is different. And it may be something inside of you that's like, I just want to be home. I want to be home. Can I give you a side note for just a moment? Let me tell you something. Do you understand the presence of God is home? Do you know that? God's presence is home. When people come in and they say, Pastor Reggie, I just feel at home. You know what? Something inside of me, it clicked this week, and I began to weep and cry, I promise. It hit me. I'm like, God, I, I just want, I want people, when they come in, and they're, I want them to feel at home. And he said, AJ, what have you been praying? And I said, well, that our house would become a house that hosts the presence of God. And he said, my presence is home. So they feel the peace. They feel security. Because what does a father offer? Security, peace, love, correction in a loving manner that you can continually come back to. So God's presence is home, and I begin to weep this week thinking that the whole time I've been crying out to you and saying, help me to become a host for your presence, what I've been crying out for is help me to become a host for people to come home and experience you in peace and joy, that they don't have to walk out carrying the baggage, that something shifts when they come into the room, when they encounter you and the people of God. So for those of you that you've been trying to put words to it and why this house feels like home, it's the presence, and I just want to say welcome home. Welcome home. You're right where you need to be. God's presence, it's the presence of a father. Jesus is our elder brother that painted the picture. This is what a true son, this is what a true daughter is supposed to look like in the kingdom of God. So welcome home. I want you to encounter God. I want you to meet other brothers and sisters that love you just as much as I do, even though we've not met you. We don't have a choice who God sends into our lives or into this house. We're just called to love. Am I right? Let it not be a slogan, but let it be true of us. 
And I want to talk to you out of a subject tonight. If you're here, I pray that God brands you in this house. Maybe you're not called here forever, but you're called to be in the house for a season. And you have received something. You've been marked by God. You've been branded at a fiery encounter in God's presence where he can release you back out. I'm okay with that, but I don't want everybody to go, okay? <laughs> Need more to stay than more that leaves, right? No, we, we, we do. We want to. I, 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 and I, I can go back and tell you there have been moments in my life where I have encountered the presence of God, and it's been overwhelming. As you can see, I'm a little, I, I'm a little over emotional. I'm, I, I'm an extrovert. I, I, I weep and I cry because God's presence just really undo, undoes me. And the more you encounter, there's always more of him. People put God in a box and say that, well, he can't do this and he can't do that. But, but the more that I encounter of God, the more that it keeps me coming back and the less I know. Because the more you encounter him, you understand you've met someone that's greater than your intellect and your knowledge. He's transcending your thoughts. And he moves in ways that are beyond anything that you could fathom. I don't know why he touches this one and doesn't touch that one. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is God blessed them, but touch me too, right? I, I, want to, I want to be one that continues to come back, that desires to live with clean hands. That's with relationships and pure hearts, purity with God, right? So that's what we're called. And I want to use this story of Moses to talk about this because I pray that God brands your heart this morning. I do. I pray that God has, has anyone ever experienced the presence of God and it marks you for the rest of your life? I can go to moments. February, right before my father, actually, it was right before my father's birthday, which was very special to me. February is a special month because February 12th of 2010 is when God branded me, and it was a powerful moment. Go back over moments of whenever I can remember prayer moments of where God's touched me in such a powerful way, and I'll never be the same from it. It just changes you. It alters you. It, 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 and if you encounter God and nothing changes, I don't know what you encountered. That's my question. You have to, things shift and change. You reorient your life to, to facilitate presence. I don't know why I keep going here, but I, I can't get away from it. You, you, you change your, your schedule. Nothing interferes with those moments because you can't stand it if something st- jumps in the way. And whenever you feel yourself drawing away in the lukewarmness and the coldness and nothing moves you, when you're in a room when the presence of God fills it and nothing stirs you, then there's a reason to start worrying. There's a reason, God, bring me back. I have left my first love, and I'm looking to return. And maybe that's where God's calling some of you, is to come back to your first love. Walk away from the pride and the arrogance. Yield yourself and and submit and surrender at an altar and say, God, I have left you, but I will never do this again because I need this. I need you more than I need my next breath. Moses was one. His name simply means drawn out. I hope I can get through this this morning. I have never felt this much in a service. But when Moses, before he was born, I believe that his, his mom already had a name for him. And it was destined because what you name your kids is important. His name's Moses, means drawn out. But he was also marked by his name to be a deliverer for the children of Israel. Because that nation, Egypt had, had held them bound for 430 to 450 years of bondage. And God heard the cry of his people, and he sent a deliverer, Moses. Moses is born. We know that any time that there's going to be a generation that's going to change things, the devil, Satan himself, begins to work with heads of government. And from that, tries to kill out a whole generation. And that's what he did with Moses. He tried to kill out Moses. He can't tell you which one it is, but he knows there's one coming. 
God can use one man or one woman as long as they're uh, willing enough to be yielded and surrendered. God will use them and he'll transform a city. He'll transform a school. He'll transform a family. He'll transform a community. He'll transform a nation. And eventually it'll affect the rest of the world as Moses' life has. And so... His mother, for the safety of Moses, just like any parent would do, floats him down the river. And he just so happens to end up on Pharaoh's back porch where his daughter would come. And she draws him out of the water and starts to take care of him. And it just so happened, for those of you that believe in coincidence, there's no such thing. I'm just going to tell you. I know it sounds like it, but it's not. It just so happened that she called upon Moses' mother to nurse him as he grew up. Now, ain't that God? God can tell. When the enemy moves two steps ahead of you, God is already five steps ahead of him, and he's working back to you, and he will use him as a chess piece on his board to bring about purpose. I know we're second service and we're a little bit retreated, but I'm going to need you to talk back to me this morning. I'm a little bit Pentecostal, so I need you to say amen. If you don't know how to do that, just say amen. All right? So she uses, uh, God uses his mom, grows up. And so for 40 years, Moses grows up. In the decadence of Egypt, he begins to experience all of the food, the luxuries. They bathed him. They took care of him. They clothed him. He uh, was taught and raised up in the Egyptian education, which was leaps and bounds beyond anything of the day. I mean, they built these, humend- these tremendous uh, pyramids and all of the stuff, these, these, these gods. And he was raised up in a pagan culture. But yet, he was too Hebrew to be Egyptian but when he got with his own people, he was too Egyptian to be Hebrew. He was in a rough spot. He was a misfit. Anybody else ever felt that before? Man, I just don't fit, right? Nobody going to say, yeah, it's me. I've, I've been there. I know what that's like. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. Something drawing you because you've been marked. You've been branded by God's presence, but yet you want to fit in with the crowd and you're trying to, it didn't matter. I don't care how old you are. You can be in high school. You can be 60-something. There's still a desire to be known, to be needed, and to be loved. Am I right? Right. Okay. Amen, Pastor. Keep going. So my point is in this is that Moses is a misfit. 40 years. He has been poured into for 40 years and taught things that was contradicting in his own spirit. I guess I don't believe this. I, I, something, I'm being with, my, with his mom that he may not have known, and I'm taught this, and on the other side, I'm hearing this, and I'm, I, I'm just, something doesn't fit. And most of us, we, if you've read the story of Moses, I'm going to take for instance that you haven't, that one day he's out walking, he sees one of his brothers getting beat by a taskmaster. He, he looks left, he looks right, he looks all the way around and doesn't see anybody looking. So then he, he, he goes and kills the taskmaster to protect his own Hebrew brother. The next day, he's out and about, and he's walking, and uh, two of them are quarreling again, Hebrew brothers, right? They're quarreling, and then Moses goes up and just begins to stop them, and they said, wait a second, you going to kill us like you did him? Moses at that moment is freaked out, and then he turns, and he doesn't fight, he flights, he runs. Now, where are you in this moment? Well, your past, things that you've done, and maybe even in the moment of, you felt like you were doing the right thing, but it blew up, and it hit the fan, and went completely against you. And then what did you do? Did you turn and run? Did you get bitter and sour? Well, I ain't letting nobody else into my life. I'm over it. I ain't loving nobody else ever again. Did you just close, shut down? 
Because here, let me just give you a proverb. The Bible says, and I'm coming over your wall this morning. The Bible says that a wise man scales, yes, I am wise. The wise man scales the walls of the mighty and brings down their trusted stronghold. So I want to get in over your wall and help you tear a wall down that you can invite presence so they can bring transformation. Because it's only presence that's going to change you. Right? So he's on the run. Now he's gone. And this is where we enter verse 15. It says, when Pharaoh heard in chapter 2, Pharaoh heard about this matter that Moses had killed someone. He tried to kill Moses. But Moses, listen to these verbs. I love this. But Moses fled from the presence. Presence can be interchangeable with face. So just remember that. Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled. He fled and settled in the land of Midian and sat down. Because that's what happens. Whenever you begin to turn and run from the things of God and the calling of God, you'll flee first, and then you'll settle because you're like, I can't stand the conviction anymore. When God shows up to convict you, why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? Why are you running with them? Why are you easing yourself into it? Because compromise happens a little, little, little. Little by little, you start compromising. Compromising on what you do, where you go, what you say. and You know better. Something in you is saying, stop. Stop saying this. Stop gossiping. Uh Uh-oh. Stop. Shut your mouth. Don't do this. Don't cross this line. But yet we have to go another step. And what happens is you get comfortable. You compromise. You compromise and get comfortable. And then eventually, guess what happens? You sit down. And then you don't get back up. And that's what the enemy loves. Distract you to the point to where you'll just be so busy that you miss the things of God and you sit down and you're comfortable. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you that I pray often, God, afflict the comfortable, but comfort the afflicted. I am telling you that you're in a place that I pray. God is a dynamic God. He's not static, which means that he's a moving God. He doesn't want you to stay stagnant. He wants you to move. He wants you to go. Understand something. Do you, under know, do you know that Old Testament prophecy, everything about that, that, that's all been fulfilled for most of it. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Prophecy is movement. It's dynamic. It's a, it, God is, you got to move. got to go, go, go. We're moving forward. Pastor so-and-so is not here anymore. It doesn't matter. We're moving forward. I don't care. God's called us to keep moving. doesn't matter. Move. When God speaks, you got to move. It, it initiates movement in your life. And so Moses is now at this well, and he sits down, and it says, now the priest of Midian, if you know the priest of Midian, is the father of uh, 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 Moses' father-in-law. Uh, it says, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and one of them started batting their eye at Moses, right? And they came to draw water uh, and filled the troughs with water to their father's flock. Verse 17, then shepherds came and started to drive them away. But look at this. But Moses stands up. Moses stood up and helped and watered the flock. Whenever that marking of a deliverer, that marking of one that's been marked by the presence of God and drawn out for a specific purpose, sees this happening, something in him begins to rise up. Something stood up and Moses couldn't stand back and he said, I got to get, I got to get involved. I can't, I've sat here long enough. I got to get involved. Now remember, Moses has just come out of Egypt. He doesn't even have a callus on his hands. He still smells like the frankincense and myrrh that they smeared on his body the morning of his bathing, right? He's been, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to cook. He doesn't know how to, to garden. He doesn't know how to kill anything. More than likely, he has been sheltered and pampered his whole life. And now it's coming time for him to do some things. 
Some of you, I just did a push for serve teams, and it's not because we need more people in the children's men. No, because I understand if you'll connect yourself with something bigger than you, Moses, then all of a sudden something gets unlocked. I know it may not be good preaching to some of you, but I'm telling you, something unlocks when you connect with somebody else. God designed this for you to be with one another, not by yourself. He designed you to be with somebody. They'll link you with somebody. There's somebody in this room that's got a prophetic word with you that would unlock your destiny, but you've yet to be connected with them. Not yet, but you will. I prophesy it. I declare it. Moses begins to take care of them. The story goes on. He marries one of the priest of Midian's daughters, and now he's moving into his 80th year. Forty years he's been on the run, and it's amazing how God works a process. i gotta, I got to hurry. God will take a process, and if you don't learn it, he has no problem making you circle it again. Well, in school I failed the second grade. I failed math, but I got passed anyway because my mom knew the teacher, right? But with God, that doesn't work. Because God will bring you back to the same thing. He'll bring you back to the same offense. Let me tell you this. God has no problem. He will never offend your heart, Jennifer. God will never offend your heart. But he has no problem offending your mind to reveal what's in your heart. Does he not? That's why I stopped praying, search me, oh God, know me. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me. No, I'll pray it when I get serious, but I always grit my teeth when I pray it. God has no problem offending your mind to reveal what's in your heart. He has no problem offending your mind to, of your understanding of Scripture so that he can get an understanding out of you, one that's truth and not a lie that you've been taught your whole life, that you have to unpack. I was there. There's certain things you have to unlearn because it's called process. It's called a process. So Moses is now come, come to the, his father-in-law's house where he hands him a shovel and he says, boy, get to work. What? Work? Are you kidding me? Do you see my clothes? I'm from Egypt. Don't you think that he tried to flip that to make it work in his favor? I think he did. I think most of them, wait a second. Now, I'm from Egypt. Uh, you see what I'm wearing? I, 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 maybe you can give me a few and I'll be over them. Let me be the chief and give me some Indians. And he said, no, big boy. Today, you're fishing to get that shovel and you're going to start shoveling sheep dung. Get to work. I got to be careful word my words right. I may say some stuff. It ain't there, but it may come out anyway. So all the religious people just got offended. I'm sorry. I don't say that word. But he, he tells him to get to work. You got to start. You got to learn. And so he's in this process. Now, this will make some of you feel good. Moses was 80. 80. 40 years on the run from the Egyptian household. And I believe the reason why is because God took every year to to decompress, to remove Egypt out of him because he couldn't have a leader that was going to lead the nation out of Egypt that still had Egypt in them. Can you process it? That's the problem with a lot of people and a lot of believers. When God marks you, you're in a process called sanctification. Once you get saved, you step into sanctification. Well, what does that mean? That you're going to be the rest of your life where God is going to be removing things from you and bringing you into wholeness and freedom into areas of your life. Where are all, I know Donna's here at first service, but where are those that operate and function in deliverance? Don't you understand? It's a process, right? Sanctification is a process. Once one thing is dealt with in my life, then I go on to the next thing, right? So it's a process of sanctification. People say, well, you need to get right with God. Well, you're not even right with God. Don't tell me that. 
Well, you, but you just, yeah, I get it. I need to straighten up. I'm trying, right? I'm trying. And so there's this 40 years of unpacking Egyptian bondage or Egyptian living and thinking out of the life of Moses and learning how to shepherd. But at the same time, he's been fleeing. Anybody running from something this morning? Anybody running from the calling of God on your life? I don't know what it looks like, but God's brought you to a moment to brand you. And it's not what you think it is. It's not to, to berate you, where have you been? Why ain't you this, that? No, no, no. He's come to mark you with love. I love what Charles Finney prayed when he had an encounter with God in his library. He said, waves upon waves of the love of God begin to pour over me. And God filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he said, I had to pray, stay your hand. Stay your hand lest I die. It's a man that encountered the presence of God that came in waves upon waves. God wants to transform you from love. He'll use whatever you give him, but he'll definitely overwhelm you with that. So Moses had gotten comfortable. He's on the backside of nowhere. He's comfortable. Everything's going well. I've settled in. I've got a wife and kids, and I'm shepherding the flock. And in chapter 1, or, or chapter three of, verse, uh, 3 of verse 1, it says this. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, all quiet on the western front of the west side of nowhere, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. Wilderness, wilderness. You're not meant to stay there. You're meant to move. You're meant to move, but it's a place where God strips away all of the other voices of the culture. He begins to take certain situations and people and relationships seem like they just fall off the map and we don't understand, but you're out there doing what you've been called. Anybody ever been there? Come on, I, I walked through this not too long ago. I understand things are stripped away. There's, there's certain aspects that God says, I'm tired of having to work through somebody else than me speak to you myself. I got to strip away your crutches. I got to remove the crutches. I got to remove the voices. I got to remove anything that would distract. They're not, they're not sin. It's just weight. I got to remove it. It has to be removed so I can develop a voice of one crying in the wilderness, not a voice of ten. John the Baptist is the same one in the wilderness until his appointed time. And he comes out with this message. But this is Moses. God's working a process in the wilderness. Provision is supernatural in the wilderness. When you come out into promised land, it becomes you that God provides the provision through. All right, I'll leave that alone. Exodus verse 2 says this. He came to the mountain of God, Horeb. And Horeb is a place to experience, and many people want to experience God, but they don't hang out where he is. you got to hang out with where God is. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush, and Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not consumed. When the Lord saw, I love that, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look. God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, don't come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you were standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, in verse 2, it's interesting because there's a contradiction. According to 
what we're seeing. It's not uncommon in their day to see a bush that was on fire that was consumed. I've not seen it, but according to historians and theologians, it was not uncommon to have a bush on fire in a dry, arid place, and it just continued to burn until it's burned completely up. But in this case, the bush was on fire and wasn't consumed because God, which is timeless, he created it for us. He created time for us. Creator God comes down, breaks through into time, and wraps himself in that bush, and the bush is burning, but it is not consumed because time has ceased and stopped. And so he's burning right before Moses, and Moses sees this contradiction You've got to pay attention to the contradictions. So many times we go through life and we don't understand that God is moving in the mundane. We can't see God moving in that because we're not aware of what the Lord's wanting to do in those moments. We, we, we go about our life. We got our routine. And, and routines are good. But, but in, in that process of routine, have we become comfortable with a God that we barely even know? And that's, that happens so much that you have to bring yourself back to and understand that he's a God. Uh, uh, he's a God of awe. He's a God of wonder. God is, God is not a God that is, that is uh, stagnant and staying still, but he looks to bring life. And, and many of us can miss this encounter because we ignore contradictions that God tries to put into our life. Let me just say this. I say this with my staff. There's certain things that I can teach with them. Um, and if I can expose them to something and they can keep moving or be nonchalant for them, it ain't for them. It's the same with God. If God can expose you to something and it don't stop you, it ain't for you. Moses was exposed to a contradiction that he couldn't walk by. He had to stop and to see. It, it didn't fit the narrative of what was happening. It was something small and simple. I've seen this happen before, but something's different this time. And so it catches his attention. I, I would say this. If it's for you, if God has something for you, and even if you tried to walk away from it, you couldn't because something about that draws you right back to it. Can I say that it could be an individual, somebody in this room that has walked through hell, that there's a hell of a situation, it's been rough on you, it's been tough, and, and you're just like, I don't, I don't understand why I'm having to walk through this, but yet you just, grace, maybe it's walking through sickness, but you've kept faith through the whole process. You're somebody else's burning bush because they're looking, they're saying, how in the world are they walking through this and it has not consumed them? Why? Because the, the fire in you is greater than the fire around you. I'm not just, I mean that, that's the truth. Or it could be, one thing about the fire, and what I understand about situational things that come into your life and shift you completely off your, like, man, and it takes you a second. It's like it just gives you a, a, a right hook, and it shakes you, and it jolts you. But for a second, you're caught off your feet, but then all of a sudden, you're like, I, 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 you get back into it. It's because the fire itself, and you come right back to it, the fire itself was never meant to consume you. It was meant to reveal who's with you. You ain't doing this by yourself pardon my English, my grammar, but you're not doing this by yourself. There's someone with you. It's the four Hebrew children thrown into the fire. The three Hebrew children thrown into the fire. They said, the, the, pharaohs, or the, uh, the king said, I see a fourth walking around. Why? The fire revealed who was with them already. It's the same with you. You're looking at somebody. How are they doing this? How are they? Or maybe it's a marriage. How did they walk through all that they just walked through? And somehow they're still together because they linked arms and they said, I don't care. Come hell or high water, we're going to stick this thing out. We're going to make it. And, all of, and you're not doing it for anybody else. 
You're not doing it for the crowds. You're not doing it because you're supposed to. You're just doing it because you know God put you together and you're not walking away. And somebody looks and says, look at that spectacle. i got to turn aside into that church, into that group, into that family. Why are they still making it through what they're walking through? There's no way but the grace of God. That's when they look at the good deeds that you're doing and honor the Father in heaven and say, man, he's real. He's real. I can tell you right now, you can look at me and tell that God's real. Everything that I've walked through in my life and not walked away or been locked up or been in prison or left dead in the ditch or whatever it may be, God's grace was, his hand was upon me. And I'm here to testify that if you'll give him a chance, if you'll give him all that you are, I don't care what you got. Don't matter what gift you got, how much money you got, what kind of, what side of the tracks you were raised on, if you'll just give God your all. Don't, don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. Lay it down and say, God, here I am. Use me. Here I am. I don't care what you do. Use me. God will do it. But you've got to pay attention to the contradictions. Even though I couldn't, I walked by, but something drew me to this person, to that couple, to this church, whatever it is. Fire was never meant to consume me. It was meant to reveal, refine, and define who I am. Verse 3, it says that Moses then said, I got to turn aside. I got to look. It was a supernatural occurrence that was a breadcrumb into revelation. And that's point number two is revelation. Revelation is something that's been there the whole time. And it's not new. It was, I got a new revelation. No, not according to scripture. It may be new to you, but not everybody else, right? I could cover, and I've used this analogy so many different times, but I could cover this podium with a black sheet, and you couldn't tell what was underneath it. Even though you can see the form of it, you see forms of it, but you don't know what that is. You don't know the details to it. But as you come closer and as we remove the veil, then it becomes clear what it is. And the closer you come, guess what? The more, the more defined it becomes. You can start seeing the character of it. You can see things, right? You can start, and that's the draw with Revelation. When Moses, Moses turns aside and begins, I've got to see this. It's like God begins to reveal himself to Moses, and the closer that he came, his voice began to come. And that's how revelation works. It's not anything new under the sun. It's just God revealing what's already been there the whole time. So when you pray, God, give me revelation. Give me understanding according to your word. Get ready because he will. But he'll move through a contradiction. He'll move through the mundane. And then he'll begin to reveal himself to you because his whole desire is to brand you. He's wanting to mark you so that something changes and you're never the same ever, ever again. I don't care how long you've been coming to church or how long you've been meeting with whatever. God longs to brand you and mark you for life. Not just a one-time thing. You with me still? If somebody's sleeping... Slug them on the shoulder. I give you permission. Just don't hit them in the face. Because I don't know how the insurance works out on that. So, anyway. Verse 4 and 5. AJ, come on. Verse 4 and 5. I'm getting ready to land. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, then... He calls out to Moses. He threw you a breadcrumb. Are you going to bite? Is there something right now? Think about it, people of God. 
right now, is there something right now in your personal world that is sticking out like a sore thumb? And it's like, man, I don't understand. I, I, but I've got to stop long enough. Come on, can I? Uh, Our minds are filled with story after story after story. There was recently, I say there was recently, it's been within the past year that I heard the podcast and one of these guys that I listened to. Our generation, millennials and younger, and I would even dare to say it's the older ones as well. Gen X, boomers, boomers are, you guys are on social media now as well. But in a five-year study, an average of those that are on social media see 10,000 messages uh, within a day's time. That's a lot. Think about that for just a moment. What does that look like? The scroll. As you scroll through social media, you see stories. But you're mentally exhausted. You're emotionally fatigued. And it's like you haven't worked a long day or nothing. I'm not saying that you're not because you literally are. But you're fatigued from all the stuff that you're taking in. How many messages do you take in that are bad? When you get, oh, I just got to see it. I just got to, but it's just like a car wreck. I got to look at it. It's on social media. I got to look at that. I guess I need to see that story. Excuse me, not a, not a day's time, a week's time. Correct that. That's a lot of messages. But in a week's time, you're seeing that. And it's story after story after story after story. What's happening over at so-and-so? What did they do? What happened there? And then what's happening in pop culture? Is Maverick City losing their mind? What's happening? I'm going to tell you, I'm concerned. Whatever, whatever it is, we fill our lives with these things. And God's like, I'm trying. I'm trying to speak. I'm trying. You've had moments where you've stopped and noticed, but you haven't bit. You haven't turned. Just turned aside to see what's happening. And the whole time, God's wanting to have a conversation with you. Because when God starts to speak, God only began to speak with Moses when he was attracted. It was a divine attraction to something that drew him. Here's the problem with some. Many are wanting to speak with God on their terms. God, you can do this, but it's got to be on my terms. Anybody? You can do this, but you got to do it on my term. you got to do it on my time. you got to do it on my this and my that. Now, God, I believe because he loves us so much, he'll set up ambush after ambush after ambush to show you his love and how much he loves you. He'll do that. But we, we become comfortable because we got to get to work. we got to get the kids to three different things going on. I understand. we got to get here. we got to get there. And we're pressed and we're allowing everything around us to dictate where we go instead of reorienting our lives to align with him because when he brands you when he marks you some of you remember how it was you it's been a long time and God's coming back and he says hey I'm speaking to you again from the fire and it's a it's a fiery love I'm calling out to your return he wants to have conversation he wants to let you know that how much that he loves you and he tells Moses he says Moses take your take your your sandals off but the ground the ground that you're standing is holy he wasn't saying that specific location. It is the mountain of God. But right there in that moment, he tells him to remove it. And I'm not telling you to do that. Okay? 
What God is referring to in this in Moses is, Moses, this is a holy place. We'll let you know you've been walking. you got dirt on your feet. you got dung on your feet. you got mess all over you. Take them off. This stands for repentance. You've got to repent. When, you, when God starts conversing with you, repentance is, is, is a, it, it's, a, it's coming. Ira, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Forgive me. Remove it from your life. Because the ground you're standing on is holy. What does that mean? It's been set apart. It's holy. It's sacredly separate. Wherever, how many of you believe that God is omnipresent? He's everywhere at all times. That's when we talk about practice in the presence. If he's everywhere at all times, that means that we can engage and step into it at any moment. Uh, it's, it may, we may not feel, but he's there. It's a, that's a promise in Scripture. So wherever you are and God is there, there is holy. Let me just speak to this proverbial, proverbial sense. In five years, many of us are saying, when I get that promotion, when I retire, when, I, when this happens, then I'll just do this for God. Right here and right now, in this proverbial moment, right here is holy. Right now. God's speaking at any moment, any time that his presence is manifest, it's a holy moment. It's holy. If you would, stand to your feet. However you got here, you're here, and this moment is holy because God is holy and God is here. I'm praying. First service, it was just it was so different. It was just the love of the Lord began to sweep over the over the room, and there was a drawing. God began to draw some things out of people. Just a, just a presence. It was just a really sweet presence of the Lord. And so right now, I I, I want to start at the place of salvation because many come in. I don't know where you at where you're at in your journey with the Lord. If you're even saved. Um, I believe it's important that you, you know where you're going if something happens to you and you walk out these doors today. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Because hell is real. It's a place of torment not meant for us. It was meant for the devil and his angels. But sin takes me there. The Bible says that godly sorrow works repentance. That means that out of my heart, I repent. God, forgive me of my sins. And it's true it's authentic and real, and God knows your heart. I don't, but then I'll be saved. So right now, uh, in the moment, if you would, just close your eyes, and um, for all, over, all around the room, just lift your hands to the Lord, and I want to pray for those that maybe you need to be saved today. Come on, I want to give you this moment between you and the Lord. God, forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to wash me clean. Jesus, thank you for the blood that cleanses away sins. I can't be good enough. I can't give enough money. I can't do enough good deeds to get into, the, get into heaven. And so, Lord, if I, maybe you're saying today, if I die today, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity, but I'm giving my life to you right now. I surrender all to you right now, God. It's not that I just want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. When he becomes Lord, that means that he's Lord of all. He's Lord of, uh, of your relationships. He's Lord of your thoughts. He's Lord of your day. He's Lord of your future. He's Lord of your finances and your relationships. He's Lord of all. Or he's not Lord at all. So just ask him right now, God, be Lord of all. And some of you, you need to return back to your first love. You've walked away from it. And God's calling you to come back to it. God, I return. 
I believe revelation is also a revelation of Jesus, but it's also a love letter to the churches. Return, return, come back, come back. Remember that moment whenever your heart broke and you wept and gave your all to the Lord and said, I'll never look anywhere else. I can't be satisfied by anything else. I recommit my life to you today. Now, for those of you that's on the run, and you know who you are. I don't have to tell you the conviction of God has been drawing you this whole time. You're on the run from the things of God. You're on the run from the calling of God. I'm not talking about full-time, whatever that looks like. In a, on a, I'm just saying in general, you know, right now, he's drawing. He's pulling on your heart right now. Not this pastor, but God is. And if you would, I want you to just lift your hands high so I can see it, so I can pray with you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, these that know you've arrested their hearts this morning. This is the day where they're branded again, God. They're marked by fire. They're branded here at the bush where the, the fire of the Lord is burning. And it's beginning to rekindle those that have retired in the sense of their journey with God. Father, refire them again. Those that once were burning and consecrated under the kingdom, I pray that there would be a flame that would come, that cleansing flame that would allow them to return back. Their burning devotion for you. Their desire for you. Father, right now, I'm going to give you just a couple of moments, and I invite everybody into this moment. I want you to check your heart. Is everything good? Am I good to go? Not, not just to heaven, but am I ready to step into what God's calling me into? Because I'm telling you right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, every person under the sound of my voice, that conviction would fall upon you. Not for, not for sin, of course, but I'm saying to step into the fullness of God. God, draw them right now. Draw them. If there's sin there, deal with it. You and the Lord. If there's compromise there, in Jesus' name, let them repent and be drawn back to you. Draw them, God. Draw them, God. Draw. Draw all men unto yourself right now. Draw them to you, Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would dispatch angels into this room right now. Ministering angels. Healing angels. Those of you that's got he, uh, places in your body that needs complete healing, in the name of Jesus, let angels be on assignments in the room to, to bring healing. Let the love of God wash over this congregation right now and bring wholeness and freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.